Welcome to CHOF Sunday Morning Word with Bishop Houston. Today, we live in a world that's filled with duplication. Some are an ideal image of a good authentic cause, and others are just a replica, not real. This morning Bishop Houston will teach us about being the example of an authentic replication of a Christian, and recognizing a counterfeit Christian. Today's message is titled Copycats and Not Phonies. Our focal scripture this morning will be coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation Bible. And the word of God reads this way. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God. 
that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. May the sacred words of God continue to enrich the minds of the listeners and spiritual active of his holy word. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being intimately conscious of the battles, the strains, the pains, and the hopelessness many have experienced during the era of COVID-19 and the recent snowy weather. You know the desires of everyone's heart. You know who needs to be cured and who needs to be rehabilitated from the illnesses and impulses. This morning, I'm asking for your restorative touch. I know that you're able to touch each of us. And now, Father, I'm asking you to bless this morning's fellowship with your Shekinah glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen and amen. You know, as I studied this passage, I was reminded of the need for honesty and loyalty among the churches and the ministries. Uh, we live in a, in a day afflicted with double standards. Uh, and one of the most presented disputes against attending church in this era is the occurrence of hypocrites. You know, the phonies that are within the church. You know, many of the people outside of the church believe there are very, very few that are loyal or even sincere in the church. The microwave and especially the, the computer age generation, uh, they're deeply investigating and they're looking for spiritual authenticity. And it appears that Paul also dealt with this tragic issue as well. The verses we read are an application to urge people to live a godly life in front of men and in front of women. He wanted them to stay strong in their faith, stick to the Lord, and deliver an excellent illustration for others that had not yet spiritually been transformed. The absence of genuineness and legitimacy has been a conundrum as long as men have lived on this planet. And as Christ ministered on earth, he too had many exchanges with insincere and double-standard men. And many times, Jesus had to check their hypocritical attitudes. Now, a hypocrite is regarded as a person who's a performer, a stage entertainer, one who hides behind a mask. Uh, being hypocritical or a hypocrite is a fake or a phony. As followers and supporters of Jesus Christ, we're not chosen to live a life of hypocrisy. We've not been called to be phonies, but rather copycats of our Lord 
illuminating our faith in him. First uh, Peter 2.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. First John 2.6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 says, So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe sufferings it brought you. And this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. In other words, they became copycats. Now, let's ponder the Disputes Paul introduces as we think on copycats, not phonies. In verse 10, Paul said, You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Now, right here, we find that that, that Paul emphasized that they were all eyewitnesses to his conduct while he was there with them. Paul didn't hang on the attitude of do as I say and not as I do. He devoutly demonstrated his Christian behavior right in front of their faces. He lived a life of godliness. Mm-hmm. Paul lived a devout and a holy life in the face of men and women. This was not something he developed while he was there in Thessalonica. It was a way Paul actually lived. And each day Paul lived, he wanted to live wholly in the presence of God. He lived a detached life from the world. It was a life completely dedicated to the Father. Paul's life wasn't uh, influenced by the satisfactions of sin. He wanted to walk with God each day. Beloved, you would have to agree that we need those who would live holy in front of the Lord. Devotion to God cannot be phony. We must make a conscious decision to live for God or not. You know, many see people who are led to love God on Sunday, but their lives don't indicate that love during the week. We must delete the things that take our focus off of God, then establish a spiritual foundation just for the Lord. We need to live a life of righteousness. The life we live must be a legitimate and trustworthy life. In other words, a life that demonstrates honesty and loyalty. When dealing with God and men, we must live a life properly principled by sincerity and allegiance. Paul was on point in everything he dealt with. When he came into the knowing powers of Jesus Christ, he continuously lived his life treating men and women fairly and compassionately. He wanted to treat them as he wanted to be treated and as God would treat them. He saw them as God saw them. You know, we could learn a lesson in that regard. We are so swift to present a condemnation verdict. We only see the flaws people have. We, as Christian copycats, should look at them as God sees them, a soul that's in need of salvation. You know, Paul lived a life of blamelessness. 
Paul wanted to live a life not always receiving blame. He wanted to live a life where he wasn't always negatively blamed or involuntarily placed in unknown situations or accused or, or criticized or held responsible. He desired to live blameless. In other words, a clean life without cause for condemnation, without criticism, without disapproval or reprimand. He wanted to live a life above censorship. Philippians 1.10 says, For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. You know, I've seen firsthand where honesty and loyalty have the evaluated concept of all lies on you, as though honesty and loyalty has no power. But that's a significant flaw and an imprecise analysis. Philippians 2.15 says, So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, we frequently think of these attributes concerning deacons and pastors, but in reality, all Christians have an obligation of living a clean life in front of men and women. We should live in a way that if allegations are brought against us, they'll have no opportunity of sticking. Now, in verses 11 through 12, we find asserted encouragement right here. Uh, after Paul reminded them about his model illustration while he was with them, he encouraged them to pattern themselves after him. You see, he wanted them to copy the life he lived and the life of Christ. Beloved, we need more copycats, not phonies. Now, let's take a look at Paul's exhortation right here. Uh, first, we see in verse 11, the call. Verse 11 says, And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We see here, Paul encouraged them. In other words, to call to one side, appeal to or summons. He knew about their complexities and the problems they had. He wanted to encourage them, inspire them, and even instruct them. He didn't want them to wander aimlessly, pursuing to serve the Lord. He wanted to equip them for service. Obviously, we need copycats. We need people who will stand with new believers and, and repentant believers. We need people that will inspire them, encourage them, support them as they become stronger and gain more confidence in their Christian beliefs. We need people who will distribute the wonderful realities of Christ and try to infuse them in the hearts of people. Paul is teaching discipleship. You know, I really worry about this era. And many of the churches and ministries, discipleship is one of the places we're failing most. Now, I'm concerned about this area because many followers of Christ are not immersing new or repentant believers with God's truth. Uh, discipleship has turned into a, a self-engaged, money-making, fornicating, adulterous style show. Sure, there are 
express joy over their salvation, but yet many times they are never pursued to inspire them in the faith. Beloved, there's a failure in many churches and ministries when it comes to instructing them in the great doctrines of Scripture. Hello, somebody. Now, right here we find the comfort. Paul also wanted to comfort them. He, he wanted to relax their mind and comfort the people. Now, many of the new believers faced adversity that was strange to them, and, and they didn't have an understanding why. Many of them were persecuted physically and emotionally because of their faith. Many of them were ostracized by family and friends. Paul wanted to comfort those who faced such opposition. You know, we need to cultivate a mentality that produces contentment. We appear to get so locked in in our personal lives that we detach ourselves from the desires and damage of other people. Uh, we should take the time to, to listen sympathetically and, and present a measure of comfort to those that are distressed. Now, in verse 11, we also see the charge. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Here we see Paul charge them. Right here we see an exciting aspect of ministry that's rarely used in our day. Uh, most of the time the word charge, when it's used, is often verbally produced incorrectly. Now the word charge that we're using right here means to witness or testify. Now, it does carry the idea of reprimanding or rebuking. So with that being said, let me tell you that Paul was loving and compassionate, but he was also bold. He wanted to lead them in the right direction. He plainly defined and articulated the gospel and, and the expectation for all who followed Christ. He warned of the dangers in drifting from the fellowship with the Lord. And the Thessalonians knew that Paul would tackle the mistakes they made. Beloved, we need those who will reprove from a heart of love. Many have developed the anything goes mindset. Uh, they have no problem negatively insulting anyone. But there are some that don't like to offend people. You know, I was at one time one of those people. That was one of my weaknesses. But the fact is, we need to stand for truth and be willing to tackle mistakes. Much of the trouble we're experiencing today is a result of the churches and ministries being reluctant to challenge issues that are conflicting with the Word of God. Now, in verse 12 right here, we find the challenge. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Right here, we see Paul inspired and confronted them. He wanted them to walk the talk. Paul was encouraging them to walk the way that pleased God. 
The people have been liberated from sin's darkness and have been spiritually transported into the magnificent light. Now, their duty is to stand as a witness, share their connection with Christ. They no longer can live their life as they pleased. They're under the submission of God. We must adhere to that task as well. It will set apart phonies from copycats. If we are to copy the examples Christ left us, we must, and I'll say it again, we must walk worthy of a calling. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, in verse 13 comes the examination that is disclosed. We see Paul now revealed what he had discovered as he looked at the church in Thessalonica. Now, there was a continual gratitude in verse 13. It said, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believed. Beloved, do you know what the cause was? Hmm? Do you know what the cause was? Well, we'll deal with that in just a moment. But clearly, Paul expresses gratitude to God for the church. We previously visited with that in the opening verses, but Paul reveals right here his continual gratitude for the church. We too need to be retold and challenged regarding our thanksgiving for the church. This morning, we're not here by accident. Mm -mm. There will be people watching this morning's message by way of video cast. There will be people listening to this morning's message by way of the podcast. They will not be receiving it by accident. That's because God spotted a slot to set us in so that we can spiritually communicate with fellow supporters of Christ all over the world. We are very grateful to God for permitting us to be placed in his family among the local and distant churches and ministries. We give thanks to the Lord for the support, inspiration, and encouragement that we receive from being a part of a body of local and distant believers. Now, in verse 13, we also see a conscious grasp. And the word reads, Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Paul was grateful that the church had accepted the word of God. Not only did they accept it, but they also incorporated it as honesty. Beloved, the people believed. There wasn't a doubt or discussion when it came to the word of God. They had a made-up mind. They had heard, believed, and they understood. The people were growing in grace with God. As I 
think about the CHOF ministry, I'm thankful for the growth I've seen. CHOF ministry has come a long, long way since 2008. I feel the love and the appreciation for the spiritual word of God. I'm passionate when it comes to to discovering and understanding things that are cast beyond our natural mind when it's about Jesus and our connection with him. I've seen those who are reassured and tested and enhanced by the spiritual words we share. We've seen a lot of copycats of our ministry, and we're happy to see that. We joyously smile when we see a, a CHOF ministry post reposted or an element of our video concept being reproduced. We joyously smile when we look at the thousands of people that come to our Facebook story. We joyously smile when we see all the people that are preaching and teaching and sharing inspirational words and music in our Facebook CHOF Christian Fellowship group. We joyously smile when we get invited to come to other cities and and countries to spread the word of God. We joyously smile when podcast and streaming cast producers ask us to come and share the word of God on their programs. We joyously smile as we see our podcast and videocast ministry picking up and our other social media platforms coming to life. And you know what? The numbers are on the way. Beloved, we actually rejoice in these things. By no means do we have a desire to depart from teaching and preaching the word of God. It is our priority. Now, in verse 13, the second half of verse 13, we see a constant development right here. You see, Paul observed a wonderful thing in Thessalonica. God's word was effectively working within their hearts. They were expanding in their faith. They were understanding and absorbing more and more of the word. Paul was starting to see them live with spiritual confidence right in the face of other people. The church was progressively flourishing in the Lord. You know, a church or a ministry will never do well when it's robbed of divine development. Immature followers will have a challenging time reaching the lost. Divine development must come before numerical growth. The community will never be connected until there is divine development in our faith. I have seen spiritual growth in CHR ministry and I rejoice in that. And to me, that verifies that numerical growth is on the way. We're getting to the point where we're becoming more effective in our Christian ministry. Beloved. The church in Thessalonica wasn't made up of empty phonies. It was filled with enthusiastic copycats. They wanted to live their lives matching the illustration of Christ. They supported the principles of Paul and the Word of God. These copycats made a difference in the world around them. I have to ask this morning, 
Where are you with the Lord? What are your desires and commitments? Are you realistically trying to copy the life that Christ lived? Or are you carelessly going through the life thinking of faith? We need to copy Christ in all that we do. I must say, no one can copy something they're unfamiliar with. Beloved, you can't copy Christ if you have never met him. Thank you for listening to Sunday Morning Word with Bishop W.F. Houston, Jr. CHOF Ministry wishes everyone a blessed Sunday.